today we are talking about how to keep skiing simple. And this is not going to be maybe the, maybe not, maybe it's what you're expecting. Maybe it's not, but it's not going to be just about on the water stuff. We're going to talk about on the water, but also just the approach off the water mindset, all of it, but just how to, how to keep skiing simple. Cause sometimes skiers tend to get a little bit messy between the ears. And so we're going to try to wipe that slate clean a little bit today, or at least give us some, some tactics to help wipe it a little bit clean. So as it relates to the topic, how to keep skiing simple, we kind of talked about this on our podcast uh, a little while ago, but we're going to go into more detail, but just as kind of a, a base level of understanding, everybody here is probably has some sort of um, success in their life, usually in their career. That's why you probably chose water skiing because it's challenging, it's individualistic, and it, uh, it pushes you in ways that you don't get pushed in other areas of your life. Um, so having said that, what's crazy about water skiing to me is that we often see water skiers who, in every other part of their life, they're very uh, tactical and they're very structure oriented, and then they get into water skiing and they just do what everybody else does. They do a little bit of stretching, they do maybe. a little, maybe. They do a little bit of equipment optimization, they go to the lake and they try technic technical stuff and it works or it doesn't work. And they kind of just do the shotgun approach. Let's throw stuff on the wall, see what sticks, and then kind of like iterate from there. But it's very fly by the seat of your pants. And so, I mean, you all have to agree because some of you have more structure to your scheme than that. But that's what we're trying. Originally, that's what we're trying to do with Flowpoint was change that. So um, trying to get to the place where you can do thinking off the water and training, right? Well, training's off the water. Yeah, off the water. And then do the feeling on the water so that you're not overthinking things. Um, but before we get to that, everybody who's part of this program gets it. But number one, you got to be doing consistent coaching, whether it's in the gym with Jenny sending give goes, or it's on the water with me sending give goes, or with both of us, either of us use those one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions that you have annually. Use those with us, whether it's a Zoom call or it's sending video in and, and letting uh, us do a video analysis. I would also say like, there's some of you guys that have in-person coaches as well. Like I know exactly. Charlie coaches with Corey a lot. That's also consistent coaching. What we try, wanna try to get away from is bouncing from this YouTube video to this coach, to mm -hmm. this, this friend who's teaching us all these things that we should be doing. That makes you a mental head case, right? So having some consistency. And if you have a coach that you work with that you want to share our methods with or Marcus's tactics with that is awesome. So you get synergistic coaching that is hopefully dialed down the same road, right? If we're bouncing all over the place, that's where it gets messy. So yes, use us. And if you have people that you ski with that serve as coaches, or if you have an actual coach you work with, please share the things that you're learning and you're finding is working with the program with them as well. Exactly. And uh, just before we get started on the kind of how to approach skiing, make sure you're taking notes. Yeah. It's always nice to be able to look back. Um, if something's going great, I mean, Corey's probably a testament to this. He's probably had, has notebooks full. Look at that. He's got his Bible right there. <laughs> Sue pulled hers out. That's great. <laughs> Take notes because you can look back on the good times. You can look back on the bad times and you can find roadmaps on how to, how to dig out of a hole or find times where you were just starting to slip and you caught yourself. Um, and you can look back at settings. You can look back at, um, you know, the way you were training. What types of sets were you doing? All this stuff, you be, start to build a database. So note-taking doesn't have to be 
super technical, doesn't have to be super in depth. It can just be a quick analysis of what happened that day, um, how you're feeling, how the set went, what you're working on or weren't working on and what your settings were. Something simple or like, like that. maybe it's like what you ate before you skied. It doesn't always exactly. have to be that. It could be how were your stress levels that day? All of that. How was your sleep? Those all play a role. So if you are someone who looks at the holistic approach and not just what's happening on the water, that's also really good stuff to log because I promise you will see if you're not dialed in with your sleep or you're eating candy bars all day, you're going to see probably a little bit of um, mishaps in your skiing as a result. And uh, we just, I talked to uh, uh, one of our pro team members last week and on this topic, what journaling or note taking after you ski or before you ski or just in general can help you with is working through some of these things that you otherwise would have glazed over. For instance, you have a bad set. How easy is it to initially find something wrong with, with how you ski, right? Initially find the focus in and lean into the bad. But with note-taking or journaling, often what it can do is it can help you uncover um, on your own the things that might be deficient, like you slept like crap the night before. And you can instantly say, oh, wow, that's right. I only did get four and a half hours of broken sleep. <laughs> Maybe that has something to do with how I performed today. And pretty soon you can see easily how um, you can bridge the gaps between bad sets and have more good sets and have more of a positive upward trend line. Something simple like that. All of these things that we're talking about is going to make skiing on the water simple. That's the whole theme tonight. So you might be like, whoa, like this doesn't seem simple to log and do all of these things, but pick one or two of these things, three of these things, whatever it is, and start to implement them. And on the water should start to feel more simple where your brain isn't a hamster wheel while you're skiing. Exactly. So how to approach skiing. We're going to do three, kind of three things today. We're going to do how to approach skiing how to approach training and how to approach learning because learning is very important. All right. But first everybody's here for skiing. So we're going to talk about how to approach skiing. Um, the, the main theme to this is going to be developing a pre-ski routine. Okay. And a pre-ski routine doesn't look the same for Sam as it does for Corey, as it does for Alex, as it does for Martin. It's going to be different for everybody. But we can give you some, some basics, right? The basics of a, pre, a good pre-ski routine. And the idea is to, to just start doing a pre-ski routine, something that's the same before every ski ride, practice or tournament. How many people are gonna be pissed that I'm saying that? Raise your hand if you're like, oh, I gotta do the same pre-ski routine and practice that I'm gonna have to do in a tournament? Every time. <laughs> so guys, I'm gonna say this because I, I, I mean, I like to relate it to other things. Sometimes because we're in water skiing and we haven't done it, this way for so long and changing it can be hard. So think of like, if you're someone who gives presentations, you usually like a lot for work, right? You might have this pre-presentation ritual that you go and you do this breath work or whatever it is that you do to get yourself primed. Think of a, a basketball player, like a pro basketball player. They have, they go to shoot a free throw. They always have the same dribble technique or backspin or whatever thing they do with the ball, jump on one leg, throw their arm, put the, whatever they do to get their brain primed that, okay, now I'm gonna go shoot a free throw. Same thing for penalty kicks in soccer. Like you can use it to whatever that you do in your life that you need to have that mental prep for. The same thing goes with skiing. And so this consistent thing, practicing it, and then being able to do it if you're a tournament skier in a tournament is gonna make your body know, 
I'm ready. I'm ready to go. This is the same thing I do every day in practice. So again, I had a 45 minute pre-ski routine. You don't have to have a 50 or 45 minute like Corey or I, but you do have to have something. Okay. So let's get into it. What, what, what does this look like for starters? Just globally, we want to find a couple things that we do before each ski ride. And we want to move towards things that work for us. And we want to kind of drop things if we feel like they aren't working for us. But some of the basics, just so that you guys can kind of have a couple ideas to hang on to. This would be a wonderful time to take notes. Take notes right now. It would be a great time. <laughs> so number one, you may or may not have a mental imagery practice, but for like a pre-ski routine, mental imagery can be huge. I used to do this before I would actually physically warm up. You can do this anytime in, in your pre-ski routine, but I would recommend some sort of mental imagery process. And if it's skiing your whole tournament ride before you actually go do it on the water or your practice ride, great. If it's just running a down and back in your head and trying to find that feeling um, through mental imagery, that's fine too. Find something that works. That's number one. Number two, a physical warm-up. And this is Jenny's domain, but this is something that I really relied on, knowing your body, knowing your strengths and weaknesses, and really having a hone uh, warm-up, physical warm-up before you get on the water is key. And guys, here's one thing with that. On the program, you should see that in the skiing section there, and we link to it all over the place. There's three warm-ups. There's a short, a medium, a long. There's actually one in the boat too. So for people that don't start from a dock, there's a warm-up you can do in the boat. So those are there. If you like those, pick one of them and do them. If, you, the, if you're doing the program, you also do warm-ups every day for the workouts. And maybe you have one or two things that we do in the warm-ups that you're like, wow, I really need to do can openers all the time. And that could be part of your, your warm-up. So again, making it your own for your body is super important. And if you have a question with how to do that, if you've got an ache or a pain or something that you feel just doesn't quite feel warmed up when you ski and you need some guidance on that, please reach out because it's, it's really important to also address your individual um, needs and maybe aches or pains or weaknesses. Yeah. The big thing is when you think of a warm up, we want to have our, our body ready to go. So our core temperature should be up. So you might go for like a little jog or a bike or a paddle or a swim for, for like three to five minutes just to get your core temperature up and then move your body through some ranges of motion. So the next thing after the mental imagery and the, uh, the physical warm up would be some sort of ski drill and the ski drill, uh, doesn't have to be fancy doesn't have to be a lot. It could be one or two sets of six reps each direction, but it needs to be something hopefully that's in line with the fundamental or the technical skill you're trying to aim at on the water. So in other words, um, if you're working on stance and acceleration to center line, uh, the best drill we have for that is one of the best is the ski lean rocker dynamic drill on the program. So doing the ski lean rocker dynamic drill for you know, two or three sets of, of six to 10 reps on each side is important because it helps prime your mind for the movement you're looking to find on the water. So this is kind of an intermediate step, right? It's a hack. It's like in a controlled environment on the dock or in the grass, you tie your handle to a tree and you're trying to find a similar feeling. It's not going to be exactly the same, but you're trying to approach the feeling, the sensation that you're looking for when you get on the water that day. So that when you go on the water, you're having to think less and feel more, or just, just basically be a reactive skier instead of think your way to, through each movement. And we all know that you ski better, the less you're thinking or the less you're trying to think yourself through these steps. The more you can just react and, and adapt on the fly, the better you're gonna ski ultimately. That's, 
That's where we want to be. That's, that's the sweet spot in performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's the third thing, ski drill. And again, these are heavy suggestions. These aren't must haves, but these are things that we think are very important. Practice this. That's, you might pick three or four of these things again and practice them for the next couple of weeks while you're skiing and one of them might not hit home. So you don't do that one and you sub it with something else or you change the order of it. Just like practicing ski drills or pre- you got to practice your warm up too, to find what works for you. And then in the actual ski rides. So let's talk about practice. Um, one of the things that I think is very important as it relates to, to training is not having an overabundance of thoughts in your head. Now, some people are very unique and they can, they can hang on to, to three or four different things they're trying to think about when they ski. Mm-hmm. I'm not that person. I needed one max, maybe two max cues or keys to work on. So having one key can really help keep things simple when you're trying to uh, improve your, your scheme. Um, so in practice, one of the things Jenny alluded to earlier that we do like to, to, to kind of do with people is remind them, hey, if you're skiing with a ski buddy or some ski partners, make sure you communicate kind of what you've been working on or what you want to work on that ski ride so that they're aware, so that they're not kind of going to take you down a rabbit hole or off trajectory severely from where you really wanted to go. Um, That's not to say they aren't going to be able to give you feedback. They can definitely give you feedback, but hopefully it's kind of along the lines of what you're trying to work on that set. All right, that's just an aside. And no, guys, we all have those friends that want to help us, which is wonderful, and they give us advice. And if it aligns with what you're working on, awesome. If it doesn't, be super thankful and let it go in one ear and out the other. And don't, don't like make them feel bad. Just say thank you and let it go and continue to focus on what your goal is for that, that set. Which this is also a great time. I'll, I'll interject. We have two minds. We have the skiing mind, which hopefully is pretty quiet and not full of chatter. And we have the learning or understanding mind. And that's what we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. And you can save that for later. If they say something that's kind of like, you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about that now or think about that. I'm on the water, but later you want to bring that up. It's a great time to have a discussion with your ski partner and having those discussions can really help move the ball forward in your understanding and their understanding. And you might find compromises where you're like, wow, that's a great way to think about it. Something you may never heard anywhere else. And the last thing uh, without getting too, too deep into this is having a healthy mix of sets. And we try to do this with the programming on the, on the platform but not always going out there and maxing out like some skiers do and not always going out there and staying well below your ceiling of talent. In other words, never failing. It's bad to be on either end of that spectrum. It's bad to always be failing and going till failure. And it's bad to always, always be under that ceiling to where you never know what you're capable of. Because uh, remember the 80-20 rule? Anybody remember that 80-20 rule? That's kind of what we want to aim for. We want to 80% of the time in the long haul, over the average of the season, we want to be skiing sets where we, we are succeeding. 20% of the time, we want to be skiing sets where we, we're failing. And success and failure aren't simply just running all six buoys. Success can be, if you're aiming at better stance on your acceleration phase, and if you do that one time through the gates, and you have this insane trajectory into one where you have way more space than you know what to do with, and then it throws off your timing and rhythm, and you fall at two ball, that's a success. That's not a failure. That's a success because your aim was a particular fundamental and you nailed it. 
Okay. Um, and that's, this is very important to frame, frame it up as a success. So 80, 20 rule. That's a, that's a very important thing. Um, as it relates to training tournament sets, keeping it simple, really one key is max in my opinion. And you know, some of the pros can have more than one key, but for me, one key is it. And that's something that, you know, fundamentally helps you move in the right direction. Just like this whole pre-ski ritual to begin with, it's about finding things that get you closer and closer and closer to that state of flow. All right. And that's what we're looking for when we have uh, a tournament ride coming up. It's finding that one key that, you know, you can lean into, hang on to, that doesn't get you too much in your head, but it allows you to set up your sets for success. Less thinking, more skiing. How to approach training. This yeah. is Jenny's domain. So we've talked about this extensively in the off season for, for the last several months, but, um, how to keep skiing simple. Again, the whole theme is to number one, have, don't let your fitness be a detriment to being able to actually get a lot of sets in. So if you get out there and you only get to ski one set of four passes and you're pooped, not getting a lot of volume, not getting a lot of repetition. So keeping skiing simple, you have to be able to get a lot of repetition. And if your fitness is suffering because of not doing your off water programming or your off water, whatever your thing is that you're doing for fitness, hopefully it's flow point method. Um, that's not good. If you're not, let's define consistent, right? I put up there an ideal situation. Here is like an ideal week that you could get in. Your life might not align with that ideal week. You might say, Jenny, I have two days a week that I can train. I can con commit to two days a week and that is your consistency. Awesome, do that. So a big thing with the off water training is to have a plan every single week. So look at your week, look at your priorities, look at what you've got going on, look at your work schedule, your family schedule, and schedule your time to get it in. Also, if you look at the program and you're like, I don't, I don't have 45 minutes to an hour to get the program in, great, pick, pick what you can. Do the warm up and the strength and the cool down, skip the conditioning, right? Or decide where you're at that week. If you have a question, use the comments, use the discussion board, ask me a question if there's something going on in your life that we need to change the programming for. But having a plan is, is good because if you don't have a plan and you're just winging it, just like on the water, chances are it's not gonna be super successful, right? So ideally we're following the program, but know that the program is gonna look different depending on how your life is and, and where you're at with that. And that's not wrong, it's not wrong at all. We're gonna talk next time about um, in-season programming. Because one of the biggest mistakes that I see with how to keep skiing simple is that people like stop training off the water in the in season. That's five months long for a lot of us. That's a lot of time to lose a lot of fitness and strength and mobility. And so again, lowest hanging fruit for a lot of people is just keeping your strength, your mobility and your fitness up. And so that is one big thing. And we will talk a lot about that next time on how to make that happen in the, um, during the in season. Another thing we talked about this a few pot or a few, um, calls ago. Again, we don't want to think on the water. We want to think as little as possible on the water. The training that we do in the gym directly, it's for skiers. I'm making this for skiers. And so when you're doing some certain movements in the gym, you can think about, okay, how is this relating to something I'm working on, on the water? Maybe it's handle connection. And we've talked about this deadlifts. We do a lot in the program are awesome for handle connection, being able to feel what you want to be feeling on the water, off the water, where there's a lot less um, room for error, a lot more, a lot less variables. 
is awesome to be able to get that muscle memory so that it feels a little bit more natural on the water and you don't have to think about it. Yeah, so like for instance, when somebody gets pulled out of an offside turn, so you get pulled, you get, you overturn the buoy, you get pulled forward and you have to recover under load. That's essentially, you know, what a deadlift is. If you can practice that move 30 times in one workout and you do that a couple times a week, think about how much better you're going to be at recovering and never actually getting to that broken over position because you, as soon as you start to get pulled forward, you have the strength and you have the whereabouts to make that move to recover before you ever get way out of position. So that's our point is not just like thinking about it, but actually feeling like when you're doing these movements, whether it's a deadlift or it's um, you know some sort of lunge, doing it barefoot sometimes if you can, trying to really work on the sensation of balance, of feeling, and kind of really making that mind-body connection between the movements you do in the gym and what you're doing when you're skiing. Yeah, and another big thing, guys, which we talk about all the time, the personal movement assessments, I ask you guys to do those at least four times a year, which is coming up in a week for, for everybody in the Northern Hemisphere. You guys are doing them, not next week, but the week after. Um, or maybe it is next week, I can't remember. Anyways, personal movement assessment lets you find out where you have movement deficiencies. Your off-water training is a way to address those. So when we put in corrective exercises, or if you, you go through that, you have your corrective exercises, we want you doing those regularly because if you can address your weaknesses, your fundamental movement deficiencies, if you can get those fixed off the water, getting in a good position on the water is going to be way easier. You're not going to have to think about it. There's people that if your ankle, like if you're missing ankle dorsiflexion, it's going to be really hard to be confident on the ski in an athletic stance and be able to achieve that if you're missing that, that ankle range of motion. So again, off water to make, keep skiing simple on the water, address your deficiencies off the water so that it doesn't become a thing on the water. That could be the most important thing we say tonight is what Jenny just said. Like literally skiing is such a, uh, kind of a, it's controlled, but it's still quite random. You know, things happen out there that we don't even expect. And we're, we're, we're expected to react in the moment. Uh, we just saw that last weekend. One of our other pro team members, Chelsea Mills, 35 off, second round at, uh, at Swiss Pro, just randomly kind of gets pulled forward at 35 off, which is pretty easy for her. And instantly she's flipping through the air. So the reason this stuff matters is because those deficiencies... Like I know I have an ankle deficiency. I know some other members here have ankle flexion deficiencies. And when we say know your limits, we intuitively know our limits as far as how much range we have in different body parts. So when we get on the water, we always stay within those limits. But if we can push those limits in the gym, say for ankle flexion, we can get more knee drive forward before we actually hit in range. We're more likely to get our body in the right stance when the load comes from the boat. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, haven't changed one thing technically, haven't listened to Marcus in a while because you're like, that guy doesn't know crap, but you've listened to Jenny. Next thing you know, you're like running four buoys better consistently just because you can achieve a position that you've been trying to achieve for years and suddenly you can get there naturally. So it's a big deal. I think it might be the, one of the biggest deals. Yeah, you know, I'll use Rob on this, you guys. He, when I, we first started working with Rob a couple years ago, Rob Hazelwood, he, his shoulder mobility was terrible. Like really, really, really bad. And he has decided like he only has, he's a pro skier. He skis his face off all the time and he only has so much energy and so much time. And so his off water training is primarily around mobility. 
And he has he did the shoulder warm up with like the Cuban presses, the wall snow angels. I think Corey has spent a lot of time on those too. That's his go-to. That's his game changer. And he does that every single day. And he told me when he was here last winter that that has been one of the biggest changes for him on his ski is that he actually can move his shoulders. So I, I, I don't know if I can emphasize this one enough. Finding your deficiencies and then focusing on one or two of them and really getting that mobility and that function back is not going to make you only make you better on the water, but you're just going to feel better overall, which is good. Technique, equipment, fitness, nutrition, mindset, the five components to success on the water. Our mission from the beginning has been to figure out how to help you become the best skier you can be. To do that, we've studied every single aspect of this sport and simplified it into the most fundamental concepts so that you don't have to. The Flowpoint Method is the first and only all-inclusive program with the best information and tools to help you become the best skier you can be. Sign up today for a free trial and see for yourself.